3: Here's your host, Radical Russ Bellville. All right. Good day, tokers and tokettes and non-toking lovers of liberty. It is Wednesday, December 16th, 2015, and it's got to be 420 somewhere in the world. Thanks for joining us here for another two hours of the latest news, data, analysis, and information by, for, and about the cannabis community. We're winding up our final week here of 2015, our final few shows this week before we go off on a two-week break for the holidays. So uh, make sure you cram all this information in your head because you're going to have to do without for a couple weeks but we've got plenty of it to tell you about. We've been going over the five leading initiatives to legalize marijuana in California, Nevada, Arizona, Massachusetts, and Maine. And uh, we're going to take a look at that Massachusetts initiative today. So stay tuned for that. That's coming up in the Radical Rant. That's a MPP-sponsored initiative called Kremla, the Campaign to Regulate Marijuana Like Alcohol. Uh, also on the show today, we'll be uh, bringing you a interview that we conducted a couple of weeks ago. And I just feel this is so important, especially as we're moving into the college bowl season and the NFL playoffs. We've got Michael Sindrich from the Gridiron Cannabis Coalition joining us at half past to discuss the upcoming movie Concussion that uh, features uh, Will Smith, the doc uh, playing the doctor who discovered chronic Traumatic encephalopathy happening in the brains of NFL players and how THC, uh, medical marijuana, could help those players deal with the problems of concussion and brain injury. So that's coming up at half past a very important interview. Also coming up on the show today. Ah, it's one of my favorite days today. The Monitoring the Future study came out. This is the study that asks 8th, 10th, and 12th graders across America their habits and perceptions when it comes to the use of drugs and alcohol. And we have got some fantastic data to share with you today in the drug war data mines. Uh, everything pointing to marijuana legalization, not having a deleterious effect on preventing youth from using marijuana and other drugs. Also on the show today and behind the headlines, we've got an update on the case of Robert Kimdichi. He's the defensive lineman for Ole Miss University, and uh, he is denying the report that uh, he was using synthetic marijuana when he crashed through a hotel window and fell two stories. Uh, we'll talk about that, and uh, we will... Um, Try to figure out what's going on in that particular case, but all of that comes after the the cannabis radio news. And in our headlines today, brought to you from the Associated Press, we've got news from the federal government, the Congress continuing to protect states' rights to medical marijuana. We'll tell you how. Also, we've got the uh, summary of what came out in the monitoring the future study that we're going to talk about. In the drug war data mines also from the AP Washington's liquor and cannabis board says it will allow more pot shop licenses. We'll tell you how many in Arkansas. There's been yet another rejection of a medical marijuana initiative and in Palm Beach County, Florida. We'll tell you the results of their vote as to whether to decriminalize personal marijuana possession in Palm Beach County, Florida. Also coming up on the show today, we'll have our Toker Talk radio. That's hour two here. And uh, we'll take your calls at 971-533-7111. Make sure you check my Twitter feed, at Radical Russ. I've sent out some uh, graphs from that new Monitoring the Future study, as well as hyperlinks. I've made short links to all five of the marijuana legalization initiatives i've done hyperlinked reformatted copies of those initiatives they're a lot easier to read you can find them all by going to rad r.us slash mj2016 we're back with the ap headline news right after this stick around
1: This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com.
0: The son of a Polish immigrant who grew up in a Brooklyn tenement. He went to public schools, then college, where the work of his life began, fighting injustice and inequality, speaking truth to power. He moved to Vermont, won election and praise as one of America's best mayors. In Congress, he stood up for working families and for principle, opposing the Iraq War, supporting veterans. Now he's taking on Wall Street and a corrupt political system, funded by over a million contributions, tackling climate change to create clean energy jobs, fighting for living wages, equal pay, and tuition-free public colleges.
4: People are sick and tired of establishment politics, and they want real change.
0: Bernie Sanders, husband, father, grandfather, an honest leader, building a movement with you to give us a future to believe in.
2: I'm
4: Bernie Sanders, and I approve this
2: message. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com
1: It's time for the Cannabis Radio News. Covering the latest headlines in consumer cannabis, medical marijuana, and industrial hemp. Cannabis Radio News is now available exclusively at CannabisRadio.com. Now your marijuana headlines in 4 minutes and 20 seconds. This is Cannabis Radio
3: News. This is your Cannabis Radio News for Wednesday, December 16, 2015. The Justice Department will continue to be prohibited from interfering in state medical marijuana laws under the new federal spending bill unveiled late Tuesday night. The compromise legislation includes a provision that is intended to prevent the department, including the Drug Enforcement Administration, from using funds to arrest or prosecute patients, caregivers, and businesses that are acting in compliance with state medical marijuana laws. In April 2015, a Justice Department spokesman told the Los Angeles Times that the department did not interpret the amendment as affecting cases involving individuals or businesses, but merely, quote, impeding the ability of states to carry out their medical marijuana laws, end quote. In October, a federal judge ruled that interpretation was inaccurate and that the rohrabacher farr Amendment prevents the department from taking action against individuals who are acting in compliance with state laws. However, provisions failed that would have granted pot shops access to banks and allowed doctors at the Department of Veterans Affairs to recommend medical marijuana to soldiers. Furthermore, lawmakers will continue to block Washington, D.C. from regulating pot. The results of an annual survey of U.S. middle and high school students released Wednesday invalidate claims that reforming marijuana laws and debating legalization will lead to increased marijuana use among teens. According to the Monitoring the Future survey sponsored by the National Institute on Drug Abuse, rates of daily marijuana use by 8th, 10th, and 12th graders, as well as monthly use by 12th graders, did not change from 2014 to 2015 and have remained unchanged since 2010. The rate of monthly marijuana use by 8th graders did not change in the past year, but has dropped significantly since 2010. The rate of monthly marijuana use by 10th graders appears to have dropped significantly from 2014 and 2010 to 2015. The survey also found a decline in the number of teens who perceive great risk in marijuana use, negating the theory that softening perceptions of harm will result in more teens using marijuana. Washington's Liquor and Cannabis Board says it will increase the maximum number of marijuana stores in the state to help serve those who use the drug for medical reasons. The board said Wednesday it intends to boost the number to 556 stores statewide, up from the previous cap of 334. Director Rick Garza says the goal is to help ensure patients have access to the products they need. State lawmakers earlier this year passed a measure to reconcile Washington's unregulated medical marijuana marketplace with its thoroughly regulated recreational system. Recreational stores can obtain an endorsement to sell products for medical use, and the board says 70% of existing stores have done so. The board says it plans to double the number of available retail licenses in 10 counties with some of the highest medical marijuana sales. It will increase the available licenses in the remaining counties by 75%. Arkansas Attorney General Leslie Rutledge has rejected a proposed constitutional amendment to legalize marijuana in Arkansas. Arkansas. The proposal by Mary Berry of Summit seeks to legalize the cultivation, production, sale, possession, and use of the cannabis plant and all products produced by the cannabis plant, including marijuana. Rutledge said in her Rejection Tuesday that the ballot title is ambiguous. She writes that without clarifications on several structural issues and issues of intent, she cannot suggest any specific changes to make the proposed amendment acceptable for the ballot. This is the fourth time the Attorney General has rejected the proposal in the last three months, citing issues of ambiguities. From WPTV television in Florida, they report a four to one vote Tuesday. Palm Beach County followed in the footsteps of cities like West Palm Beach and Miami Beach and decriminalized marijuana. The ordinance doesn't legalize marijuana. It just reduces the penalties for those caught with it. It gives law enforcement an alternative. Rather than make an arrest, they can now give a $100 fine. Instead of paying the fine, the offender can choose to do 10 hours of community service. The ordinance only covers offenders 18 and older, and an offender can receive a maximum of two citations. The county commission says between 2010 and 2014, more than 7,500 cases in the county involved possession of 20 grams of marijuana or less. In 90% of those cases, the person involved ended up in the jail. The remaining 10% received a citation or a notice to appear. This has been your Cannabis Radio News for Wednesday, December 16, 2015. I'm Russ Belville. Imagine life without taxes. Let New Era Certified Public Accountants, NewEraCPAs.com, handle your cannabis 280E and tax strategy. Get your business prepared with New Era CPA's Cannabis Finance Boot Camp. NewEraCPAs.com, with years of experience in the industry, we are one of the nation's leading accounting firms for growers, dispensaries, and ancillary companies from Washington to California. NewEraCPAs.com.
1: The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com.
4: More flavor.
3: Welcome back. As you know, yesterday we brought you a sports story from the world of NCAA football, where Ole Miss defensive lineman and projected top five NFL draft pick Robert Kimdichie Uh, was in the hospital or had suffered a fall, basically, from a hotel in Atlanta where uh, he broke through a double-paned glass window and plummeted 15 feet onto a bush that was uh, nearby. And uh, had he not hit the bush, he probably would have gotten more severely injured. Uh, Following that report, it was said that there were seven uh, marijuana blunts found in his room. Uh, The newest reports are telling us that it's 12 marijuana blunts that were found in his room uh the possession of marijuana charge in the state of georgia uh takes up to i believe it's a 30 gram charge or maybe just an ounce and 12 blunts uh are probably going to be below that uh, so he would be facing a misdemeanor charge but later after the initial report uh, the outkick the coverage blog at fox sports reported uh, clay travis was the reporter who said he had numerous sources reporting that Robert Camdicci had that reaction after ingesting synthetic marijuana, uh, a.k.a. Spice or K2. Well, now the latest update is that Robert Camdicci has uh, released a statement. And according to the statement, he says, I want to apologize to Rebel Nation, my teammates and my coaches for my actions last weekend. I made a mistake and put myself in an environment that does not reflect who I am as a person. Contrary to a report by Fox Sports, I did not use synthetic drugs. I realize the dangers of drugs and alcohol and regret the lapse in judgment. This does not reflect the core values that my mother and father instilled in our family. I'm a very spiritual person and drugs have no place in my belief system as I move forward, I have learned a val- valuable lesson about the ramifications of a bad decision. I've worked very hard to have this platform, and I want to use it in the right way and be a role model for young players. I'm sorry for putting Coach Freeze in this position and will accept whatever consequences are necessary, but my hope is to finish this year's journey with my brothers, end quote. Now, his denial of using synthetic marijuana, we can take that at face value. And if we do, we've got to ask ourselves, what the hell is going on with these young men who are using marijuana in hotels and then jumping off the balconies? This is unlike any reaction to marijuana I've ever heard of in my life. And if he was just using uh, smoked marijuana, it's even more difficult to understand. In the case of Levi Tamba, the young man, the 19-year-old who jumped off the balcony 14 floors in uh, Denver, at least we understand that he was using edible cannabis. And with edibles, you can get a whole lot in you before you recognize what the effects are going to be. If Camdiche was just smoking marijuana, it's hard to understand how he could have gotten to the point where he'd have been uh, suffering those kind of reactions. Now, we can also take a cynical view on this. Georgia has signed, uh, as of 2012, a new law was signed in Georgia making the possession of synthetic marijuana a felony in that state. Now, if I were facing a misdemeanor marijuana charge and the possibility of not being able to play in the sugar bowl because I got caught with marijuana and the punishment for marijuana is a misdemeanor, but the punishment for synthetic marijuana is a felony, I might be tempted to tell people that I wasn't using synthetic marijuana and instead using regular marijuana. It's possible Uh, we could have uh, we'll have to see what comes out of the hospital if they're going to be testing for any of the metabolites of synthetic marijuana. That's not usually done. Hospitals are usually testing for the metabolites of the standard drugs. But it would be hard for me to believe he would lie about such a thing when the hospital would have his blood and could run subsequent tests to determine whether or not he is lying. Of course, the folks at Project Sam and all of the anti-drug people are jumping up and down about this, saying, yet again, we see another case where someone's use of marijuana has led to psychotic symptoms, and claiming this proves uh, that our statements that marijuana is harmless are false. Well, folks, nobody here has ever said that marijuana is harmless, and I've been very careful about pointing out that people with pre-existing mental conditions should probably be warned off of using cannabis. No mind-altering substance is harmless. None of them are. But what we keep underscoring is that marijuana is far safer than alcohol, and it's far safer than the synthetic cannabinoids that have been marketed as spice or K2, and that sometimes these athletes and soldiers take to try to avoid the drug test. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. All right, happy 420, everybody in the mountain time zone, and big shout out to my little brother, Matt, who's still battling the cancer. We're going to go visit him this weekend, and uh, we'll see how he's doing. Surgery is coming up, but he's hanging in there. Stay tough, Matty Kachoo. we will be there soon. Get Dot buzz. .buzz is the internet platform that fuels community interest, excitement, and new experiences. .buzz is the premier online destination for internet users seeking the latest news on a variety of topics. .buzz appeals to groups active in blogging, communications, journalism, advertising, and marketing. .buzz offers registrants a stronger alternative to the shrinking namespace of existing top-level domain names, such as .com, .net, and .org. Get your name now at get.buzz. The Russ
1: Belleville Show, providing dictionaries to drug czars since 2009.
5: Gondrepreneur.com, your guide to the cannabis business world. Gondrepreneur.com is a comprehensive resource for cannabis professionals and entrepreneurs. Download the Gondrepreneur app on your smartphone or tablet to catch up on cannabis industry news, scroll through our daily job listings, and learn about successful cannabis companies, executives, and investors gondrepreneur.com. Helping Gondrepreneurs grow.
3: Arguing for the end of adult marijuana prohibition is easy because we have facts, science, reason, compassion, evidence, truth, and logic on our side. It is even easier when researchers catalog it all for us. Learn how to gather the facts on marijuana use, arrests, seizures, rehabs, drug tests, and more in this edition of Drug War Data Mining. Welcome back, everybody. In the Drug War Data Mines today, we're taking a look at the latest information, the 2015 edition of the Monitoring the Future survey. This is an annual survey that's been conducted since 1975. So we're talking about the 40th anniversary of this survey. And it asks 8th, 10th, and 12th graders, their, uh, basically their uh, experience with the use of drugs, alcohol, cigarettes, and their perceptions about drugs, alcohol, and cigarettes. And the best news that we've got coming out of this uh, survey is showing that not only has marijuana legalization not led to more use of marijuana or drugs, by the 8th, 10th, and 12th graders, it's actually seen some declines in the use of drugs. Also, we are seeing record low, 40-year lows in the use of alcohol and cigarettes by 8th, 10th, and 12th graders. All the news coming from Monitoring the Future is good and points to the fact that marijuana legalization is doing exactly what we predicted it would do. The doom and gloom from Project Sam and all the anti-legalization pot prohibitionists out there are being proven false. Let's start with a look at lifetime drug use. This would be whether or not a kid has ever tried any drugs, any drugs. And when it comes to uh, any drug use, we have seen a decline in the past five years of between 4 and 6% for the 10th graders and a tiny 1.5% increase for the 12th graders. But when we take a look at what those drugs are aside from marijuana, if you take marijuana out of the equation, have kids ever tried drugs that aren't pot? You know, the gateway theory it's down. It is down for all the grades, eighth, 10th, and 12th down 3% for the uh, eighth graders down 13% for the 10th graders down 15% for the 12th graders. Also, For the use of drugs, those numbers, 8.7%, I'm sorry, uh, 14.6% for 10th graders and 21% for the 12th graders are the lowest figures ever recorded in the past 40 years. So again, the idea of the gateway theory is false. Kids are not turning to other drugs. They're turning to other drugs less. But is the uh, access to marijuana increasing the use of marijuana among the kids? That, too, is a no. What we are seeing in 2015 is a 10% decline over the past five years for the 8th graders, a 7% decline for the 10th graders, but a 2% increase for the 12th graders. There are slightly more 12th graders that are using marijuana in 2015 as compared to 2010. Then when we look at alcohol and cigarettes, the numbers for all grades, 8th, 10th, and 12th, for both alcohol and cigarettes are the lowest ever recorded. Fewer kids are trying alcohol or trying cigarettes in their lifetime than ever before. And keep in mind that we're talking about 12th graders down to 64%. Less than two-thirds of 12th graders have tried alcohol compared to the all-time max of 93%. We've gone from 93% to 64% on alcohol. And when it comes to 12th graders using uh, trying cigarettes, we've gone from 75%, almost 76%, down to 31%. Fewer than a third of 12th graders have tried cigarettes. Fewer than two-thirds of 12th graders have tried alcohol. But what about the monthly use, the kids that are using it regularly, so to speak? Well, those numbers are down, too. When it comes to the monthly use of any drug, they are down among all age groups. When it comes to the monthly use of drugs that are not marijuana, they are down among all age groups. When it comes to the use of marijuana, it is down among all age groups in the past five years. And keep in mind, it's these past five years that our opponents have said, oh, since Prop 19 in 2010, we're talking about weed, we're talking about legalization, we legalize in 2012 and 2014, that'll affect the kids, they'll think marijuana's okay, they'll use it more. Hasn't happened. Monthly use of marijuana by all grades is down. As is the use of alcohol and the use of cigarettes, again, at the lowest recorded levels ever except for eighth grade alcohol, which is slightly up from last year's all-time low. And then even when we get to the daily use, the daily use of marijuana is down over the past five years. The daily use of alcohol down over the past five years. The daily use of cigarettes down over the past five years amongst all these grades. And yet, when we ask them about their perception, that is how dangerous do they think it is, they think the risk of using marijuana is less dangerous than they've ever thought. So even as the kids think that marijuana is less dangerous, it's not leading them to use more marijuana, contrary to what our opponents have said. And the killer stat, for the first time in 40 years of asking high school seniors, fewer than 80% say that it is easy or fairly easy to access marijuana. It's harder for kids to access marijuana after legalization than ever before. These numbers prove without a doubt over the past five years that the fears of our prohibitionist opponents, that the legalization and the relaxation of marijuana laws across the nation would lead to rampant drug use, rampant marijuana use by our youth, are not borne out by the data. I've got links to all of this data and some handy charts to help you make the arguments. Available on my feed at Radical Russ on Twitter. Make sure you check it out. Coming up next, football fans, stick around. Michael Sindrich from the Gridiron Cannabis Coalition is up with us, talking about the risk of concussion from football and how THC can help.
1: This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. The Russ Belleville Show reminds you to never smoke and drive impaired. Hang out for a while and share. Activism begins with act. The Russ Belleville Show features the stories of hardworking grassroots activists working for an end to prohibition in today's activist agenda.
3: Welcome back, everyone. Thirty-one after the hour, and today we get to talk about two things that are near and dear to my heart. That's marijuana and football. And joining me to discuss the issue is the founder of the Gridiron Cannabis Coalition, Michael Sindrich. Joins us by telephone. Hi, Michael. How are you? how you doing today? Uh, I'm fantastic, and I got to tell you, uh, the last event where I saw you, I, got, I think it was the Southwest Cannabis Conference and Expo down there in Phoenix, and you had Kyle Turley, Nate Jackson, Ricky Williams discussing this issue. Give folks an idea what the Gridiron Cannabis Coalition is all about.
6: Sure, yeah, we also actually had Evan Britton on the panel uh, as well. He was uh, he's one of our more recent. Uh, individuals that joined uh, our organization and and joined the fight. Um, Yeah, Gridiron Cannabis Coalition, we are uh, an organization dedicated to the advancement of uh, medical cannabis and the research of cannabis uh, with regard to treating sports-related injuries, uh, specifically brain injuries. Um, And, and, you know, we've been at it for about six months now, uh, attending events, uh, raising awareness uh, we are uh, in the process of putting together some uh, some research trials uh, with some of the uh, players we're working with, uh, so really we're just doing whatever we can to uh, progress the science, progress the medicine, uh, provide an alternative treatment for current and former players, and hopefully in the end change the NFL's token abuse policy.
3: You know, we've got uh, a lot of evidence coming in now scientifically that shows how uh, THC, Can help in the regeneration of of brain cells and protection from the concussive trauma, the traumatic brain injury that these players are suffering from. Uh, But before we got any of that evidence, why did players uh, some players like Ricky Williams want to use cannabis?
6: Well, you know, I think many of them weren't realizing that they were using it for medicinal purposes. I think that they were they were using cannabis. They know that uh, uh, you know, it made them feel good. It helped with some of the injuries and some of the other issues that they were having. Um, and, and, you know, they were just using it to, to generally feel good because when you're putting your body through uh, what these guys put their bodies through, um, you generally don't feel good after practices or after games. Um, and I think that, you know, it has, uh, as... Science has progressed, and the movement has progressed. Um, it's become uh, a legitimate medicine, and now we're seeing: Hey, you may have been using it to just feel good, uh, but really, what you were doing is you were using it as a medicine. and You were probably substituting uh, cannabis for other pharmaceuticals or other products you could have been using. Uh, and um, you know, and, and it's great to see. It's great to see uh, uh, something like cannabis and other natural uh, holistic medicines being used uh, by these players, uh, especially because the, the pharmaceutical industry really has been failing them.
3: Yeah. And, uh, there's no doubt to the, uh, the level of pharmaceutical, uh, use that is rampant in the NFL and other sports league, especially contact sports leagues. Uh, I'm, I'm a Packers fan. So I remember the days when Brett Favre was battling his painkiller addiction and, uh, speak a little bit about that aspect of this, how, how the, the pharmaceutical industry, like you said, is failing these players.
6: Yeah. And I'm sure I don't have to tell you or any of the listeners this, but, uh, you know, uh, uh, Painkiller overdose uh, deaths are down in states where where medical cannabis is legal. Um, And, you know, these guys, uh, and and many of them are being put on, uh, whether it's, you know, uh, Vicodin, Oxy, you know, the, the, the morphine, the different shots that they're getting in the locker room so they can just get back out on the field. I mean, pain is something that these guys are dealing with on a regular basis. Uh, so when it comes to uh, the the option when you have this pain, uh, it's to uh, use substances that are oftentimes extremely addictive and that um, really the more that you use, the more that you need, and, and it just sends them on a down, downward spiral. Um, and then you take, you know, besides the, the, the pain-related issues, um, you look at some of the... Uh, other medicines that they've taken, as far as you know, what Kyle Turley will tell you, he's taken you know everything from muscle relaxers to um, to antidepressants, uh, antipsychotic uh, medications, um, and he started seeing some things uh, later in life. Uh, that now we know are a direct result, um, in part because of the pharmaceuticals, but also because of the, uh, his brain injuries. And the medicines that they were giving him uh, for some of these issues were actually creating uh, worse symptoms than what he was having before. Uh, he was getting to a point where he was getting suicidal, he was getting homicidal, and, and he blames that in part uh, on the pharmaceuticals that he was being given.
3: My goodness. All right. We're speaking with Michael Sindridge from the Gridiron Cannabis Coalition. You can find him on Twitter at Gridiron Can, C-A-N-N. And uh, what's your website, Michael? Uh, gridironcannabis.com. Okay, gridironcannabis.com. Now, uh, coming out this uh, Christmas season, there's a movie that uh, delves into the NFL and their covering up of concussion-related injuries and and damages. Uh, I think the movie's called Concussion. And uh, the NFL recently had a uh, a nine-figure settlement in a concussion lawsuit. Do you think this is going to propel the NFL toward recognition of medical cannabis, or are they just going to have to are they going to hold off until the feds say something
6: i think this will be part of what pushes them towards recognizing cannabis as a treatment And what we've seen with the nfl is they are uh they are very influenced by uh the public views and public perceptions and i think that this uh, it's not only going to change the NFL's view of cannabis and of concussions, but uh, I think it will change the public, uh, you know, their view in, in, in many cases. Um, and, and you know, one thing is, that it, it was supposed to come out around Christmas. The last I saw, I believe, the release date got pushed back till the Friday after Super Bowl. It kind of makes you wonder uh, if that had something to do with marketing by Sony, or if there was maybe some NFL influence there uh, that caused them to say, hey, you know, this is going to uh, create some issues, and we're Gonna have to answer a lot of questions, and uh, you know, maybe it, it made more sense for them to to pressure Sony to release that after the Super Bowl. Again, I don't know, uh, but it, but it is uh, a little suspicious, that that dates the move.
3: Now, are, are you guys at Gridiron Cannabis uh, Coalition planning any sort of educational campaigns in in the stead? Uh, you know, maybe leading up to Super Bowl, throughout the playoffs, handing out flyers, anything like that.
6: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we haven't specifically, we're not working with uh, Sony or with the movie. But uh, as far as what we're doing, yeah, we're gearing up for the Super Bowl. We're planning on um, doing some events uh, in in Northern California. It just happens to be in Northern California this year. Uh, So we're planning on doing some events. Uh, to both promote uh, our cause and, and uh, the uh, the treatment of these players and, and utilizing cannabis as a treatment, um, and, and also to um, just to promote the legalization movement in general, uh, because we feel that uh, we need these laws to change. And we're just as happy seeing uh, full-on adult youth recreational legalization because that's what allows access. That's what allows the ability to uh, study and to... To, uh, to be able to use all of these different products. So um, we're fully supportive of of, of all of these majors, and we're really gearing up to the Super Bowl and trying to do as much as possible between now and then.
3: I would also think for a lot of these players, uh, having to get on some sort of medical cannabis registry might be troublesome from a privacy perspective, and they might prefer recreational legalization where they don't have to sign up for anything.
6: Oh, absolutely, yeah. And, and especially if it's a uh, current player who uh, who doesn't want the league to know uh, what they're what they're doing and uh, you know that they're using cannabis.
3: So uh, is it is it too much to think that you know someday in my lifetime I'm going to see volcano vaporizers on the sideline for a guy that just got his <laughs> bell rung, or are we really just looking at taking it off of the controlled substances testing list and you know turning a blind eye if, if players are using it?
6: Yeah, you know, I don't think we'll see a uh, volcano vaporizers on the sidelines, but we may see some, uh, you know, chambers in the locker room where they can go in and get a certain uh, vapor. Maybe it's a uh, non psychoactive. Uh, you know, maybe there's uh, you know, CBD water, other CBD products uh, that end up, uh, you know, being utilized. Uh, but really, I, I think, you know, part of uh, what we would like to see is, you know, this the medicine to move beyond, which it already is moving beyond just, you know, people who are smoking or vaping. Uh, we see the opportunity, there may be patches, there may be uh, any number of different products that these guys can use, uh, that they can use on the sideline, that they may even be able to use, you know, uh, if they have a patch on while they're playing, so that you get your bell rung, you already have a, uh, a, a, something going on with your brain. It's almost a, a second helmet uh, that is protecting you from the effects of that uh, of that hit.
3: Mm. Now, are you working primarily at affecting the NFL, or do you also have some uh, uh, influence toward NCAA football?
6: Well, you know, we our focus right now has been on the NFL uh, because of the players that we're working with. Uh, it, it, it's our opinion that, you know, if we can effectuate change uh, with the NFL, that it will trickle down through college, uh, high school, uh, you know, middle school midget football and then other sports as well um because we we believe that you know really uh, it's not just a football issue and these are athletes who uh, are looking and who need uh, looking for and they actually need treatment for these different injuries that they're sustaining as a result of playing these sports and, and you know it, it's it's about the medicine. It's about giving them these alternative treatments, not forcing prescriptions on them when, when there are these other products that, that may help them. Uh, but really, yeah, we're talking to people in, in, in multiple sports right now. We've had, been contacted by uh, professional surfers, uh, former NBA players, uh uh MMA, uh individuals that are in mixed martial arts so you know really this isn't just a football issue this is an issue for all sports and all athletes and especially uh sports that have uh you know that are uh contact sports
3: yeah and it's you know it, it, this first came up you know uh when we had that recent super bowl Seattle versus Denver and the joke was you know both teams play in states where marijuana is legal and now Medical marijuana, I think uh, at least, you know, 13 or 14 teams in the league live in a state or play in a state where medical marijuana is legal. Uh, Are are you looking at maybe restricting it to just those states where medical marijuana is legal or by taking it off the controlled substances uh, testing list? I guess it would affect all the states.
6: Yeah, you know, I, I think it would affect all the states. I mean, really, these players are going to states on a fairly regular basis, even if they're not living in those states. Where it is legal, um, and if they can gain access to it, I mean, you know, some of them may choose to live in those states just so they can have their medicine. They may have to, yeah. you know, travel for practice or, or live in, in a city where their team uh, resides uh, during the season. Uh, but many of them would choose to live elsewhere. And you know, really, I think it's it, it's taking it off of the NFL's controlled substance list um, and allowing any. Players to, to to use it. And, and again, we don't want players breaking laws in states where it's illegal. Um, but if they're in states where it is legal and they test positive the next day, uh, you know, in their state, it, it shouldn't be an issue.
3: It's Michael Sindrich from the Gridiron Cannabis Coalition. You can check out more about them at gridironcannabis.com. They're on Twitter at GridironCan, C A N N. You can follow them out there. And final question, Michael is there any strain out there that can fix the Green Bay Packers offense? <laughs>
6: Oh, I, I don't know about that. Uh, you know, if you talk to Kyle, he'll tell you that, that Jack will fix just about, uh, about anything for him. Uh, I don't know about that Green Bay offense.
3: I think it's going to take a lot more than that. I, I think you're right. Damn it. <laughs> all right. Michael Sindich, thanks for joining us here on the Russ Belville Show. Good luck with all your work, and uh, we look forward to seeing what you got ready for uh, the Super Bowl. We'll uh, make sure to hype it.
6: Thank you very much.
3: All right. Thank you, everybody. That's a replay of the Michael Sindrich interview that we uh, conducted earlier this month. Uh, Check out the Gridiron Cannabis Coalition. Uh, You can find them online by just Googling Gridiron Cannabis. Stay tuned. We're going to take a break. And uh, when we come back, we're going to discuss the Massachusetts uh, Kremla Initiative, the campaign to regulate marijuana like alcohol. That's coming up next. Not against someone else's.
1: You're tuned into the Russ Bellville Show, the voice of the marijuana nation. The Russ Bellville Show, the national wildlife refuge for marijuana unicorns.
3: This is Radical Russ encouraging you to take a look at the Weed Blog every day. Johnny Green and the staff at the Weed Blog are on top of all the latest developments in the fight to end marijuana prohibition nationwide. You can even get the Weed Blog on your smartphone by installing the Weed Blog app for iPhone and Android. If it's about weed, it's on the Weed Blog, including my original
2: writing. So don't delay. Read the Weed Blog today.
1: The Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com, the National Wildlife Refuge for Marijuana Unicorns.
5: MJWellness.com, the largest medical marijuana community in the world. Connect with thousands of patients, doctors, industry leaders, and businesses through shared personal experiences along our worldwide network. Discover new therapies and benefits with content tailored to you. Come grow your network on MJWellness.com. You're not alone. Your wellness matters. Learn, live, and thrive. Check out MJWellness.com today.
4: I experimented with marijuana a time or two, and I didn't like it and didn't inhale. One major responsibility is to encourage people to use less drugs. Entirely legitimate topic uh, for debate. Radical Rant.
3: We're continuing our look at the five states likely to legalize marijuana in 2016. We've already covered the... California Legalization Initiative, the Adult Use of Marijuana Act. That's the so-called Sean Parker Initiative that's been recently amended. We've also covered the Marijuana Policy Project's for amendments uh, in Nevada, Arizona, Massachusetts, and Maine. We've already done the Nevada one. And reminder, that one's actually on the ballot. We will see a vote in Nevada in 2016. Uh, we tackled the Arizona one yesterday. So today we've got Massachusetts on deck. All of these MPP initiatives are known as CRIMLA, the Campaign to Regulate Marijuana-Like Alcohol. And remember, on Friday, our guest on the show will be Mason Tvert from the Marijuana Policy Project, and we'll discuss all four of these CRIMLA initiatives. I got a few questions for him about all of them. But today we'll take a look at Massachusetts, the Bay State, which passed decriminalization in 2008, medical marijuana in 2012, and is now poised to go three for three to get the hat trick in 2016 to pass marijuana legalization. Uh, The Bay State Repeal, which was the grassroots organization, uh, has folded their initiative. They did not gather enough signatures. The MPP initiative feels like it's gathered enough signatures, turned them in, and in, Ma- in Massachusetts it goes before the legislature first, and the legislature has a choice to just go ahead and put it on the ballot. Or, uh, if they don't do that, MPP can go out and get another 10,000 or so signatures and force it to be placed on the ballot. As these MPP criminals go, I think this one is probably the best of the lot with personal possession and cultivation, adults 21 and older can possess up to an ounce of marijuana in public and up to five grams of that can be concentrate. So it's 28 grams total. So if you got five grams concentrate on, you can only have 23 grams of flour in addition to that. So it's not an ounce plus five grams. It's 28 grams total. Five of it can be concentrates, but the, uh, Kremla here for Massachusetts also allows you to possess up to 10 ounces at home. Now, the uh, Massachusetts Kremla also gives people the right to cultivate six marijuana plants with a maximum of 12 plants per household and possess the results of the harvest. But that's on top of the 10 ounces you're allowed to possess at home. And this is a critical distinction because we've got other states that are passing these laws that say you can grow plants and possess the harvest. But you could only possess the harvest if you're growing plants. So in this one, you can possess the harvest from your plants and on top of that, possess another 10 ounces. So that appears to me to be the uh, most expansive of any of these uh, criminal initiatives as far as personal possession goes. And like the other criminals, it allows you to have uh, an ounce of cannabis in an edible or in a liquid. So unlike Washington and Oregon, where we say you can have a pound of edibles and 72 ounces of liquids, they say you can have an ounce of marijuana in the liquid or the edible, but it doesn't matter what the liquid or the edible weighs. So you could have, you know, 40 pounds of marijuana brownies, so long as you only used one ounce of marijuana in those 40 pounds of brownies. They'd be pretty damn weak brownies, right? Now, this is interesting to me because I think... From a law enforcement perspective, they would prefer the Oregon-Washington law because it's a bright line. I catch you with a pan of brownies, I weigh them, if it's less than a pound, you're fine. But if I catch you with a pan of brownies in Massachusetts, how am I going to know how much weed went into that pan of brownies? That might be a better law for the consumer as far as being able to get away with having more edibles or liquids. And of course the uh, cannabis plants and the marijuana possession must be out of public view. Now there are still some illegal acts that are defined in the Massachusetts criminal cultivation in public view gets you a $300 fine, civil fine, not criminal. Uh, The Massachusetts criminal is interesting in that as part of its possession at home, you're required to keep it locked up and you can be fined for not doing that. If you leave your marijuana unlocked at home, you can get a $100 fine. Now, I don't know how that would happen, uh, but I suppose if there's some other case where they're dealing with you in your home and they see unlocked marijuana, that's where the fine would kick in. Uh, You also can't smoke in public or you can't smoke where there's any no smoking sign. That's also a $100 fine. There's going to be an open container law. And uh, if you have an open container of marijuana in your vehicle, you'll get a civil fine of $500 unless you put your container in the trunk or in a locked glove compartment. Now there's been some controversy about these open container laws that are happening. Uh, California, hell, I got stoners against legalization in California there saying it's terrible because medical marijuana patients won't be able to smoke weed in a moving car. Folks, I don't know if you can pass an initiative that allows people to smoke weed in a moving car. That would be the first thing our opponents would attack, and they would get some traction on that. So I think we better just get used to the fact there's going to be open container laws, and the point of them is to prevent people from smoking in a moving car. Because how do you prevent someone from smoking in the car? You'd have to actually see them smoking. You'd have to catch them with a smoldering joint. But to be able to catch someone with an open container takes the place of having to prove they were actually smoking. I think this is a compromise we're just going to have to accept and learn to live with because trying to argue for the right to smoke weed in a moving car is not going to get anywhere politically. But I think this Massachusetts criminal does it the best by allowing it to be in a locked glove compartment. That's going to be so helpful for so many people. Now, if you possess or cultivate, they've also done some decriminalization here. Uh, similar to what we did in Oregon. If you possess or cultivate more than you're allowed, but less than twice the legal limit, you get a $100 fine and forfeiture of the excess, right? So if they catch you in public with an ounce and a half on you, you get a $100 fine and they take half of an ounce. You still get to keep your legal ounce. If you're growing nine plants, they're going to give you a $100 fine, take three of your plants. And if you're a... Person under 21 trying to access marijuana, that's a $100 fine, whether you got a fake ID or you're trying to get an adult to buy it for you, $100 fine and mandatory drug awareness program. Now, what about consumer rights? Here is where I believe the Massachusetts criminal is going further than any other law. Landlords can still ban tenants from cultivating and smoking marijuana on their properties, but they can't ban, ban the possession and they can't ban non-smoked cannabis. So uh, you can still have edibles and apparently vaporization. Employers can still ban pot smoking at work, but it's specifically in this law says pot smoking. It's, it's the consumption of marijuana specifically that they're banning. And I think this is being left open for some wiggle room to be able to possibly allow on-site consumption at some of these employee employers, especially in a medical sense. So we'll keep an eye on that one. Uh, parental custody and visitation rights are protected. You can't lose custody or have your visitation rights taken or be denied adoptions or any of that kind of stuff simply because you're a marijuana consumer. Same goes for necessary medical procedures, including organ transplants that cannot be denied solely. For marijuana use. This is so critical and needs to happen in every other legalization state. There's no reason someone's use of marijuana should end up being a death sentence because they can't get a liver transplant. Now in Massachusetts, they will create a cannabis control commission. It'll regulate all marijuana in the state, including medical. And it's got an interesting clause where it is directed specifically to encourage industry participation for people of color. This is something that's been called for uh, by Black Lives Matter movement, a lot of uh, people in the marijuana movement, and that is, it. You know, the drug war disproportionately impacted, you know, black people and Latino people, and destroyed their neighborhoods. So as we legalize and the revenues are being generated, we should give back and we should try to revitalize those communities. That's what Massachusetts will be doing. Also, this uh, cannabis control commission can create new licenses, including pot lounge licensing, you know, on-site consumption, special event licensing, which means possibly open smoking areas at the Boston Freedom Rally, as if there aren't now, and uh, research licensing. And they can also restrict advertising. The tax at the retail shops in Massachusetts will be 3.75% at the point of sale, plus a potential 2% local tax, So we're talking 5.75% marijuana taxes. That would be the lowest marijuana taxes in the nation. And the taxes do not apply to medical marijuana. Medical dispensaries and commercial retail shops can co-locate and local residents can petition for the right to establish a pot lounge. There will be a maximum of just 75 retail shops in the state of Massachusetts at least until October 2018. And then there can be more. The licenses cost $3,000 non-refundable application fee compared to the 5,000 in the other criminals. It's $15,000 for a cultivator, manufacturer, or a retail license. It's $10,000 for a tester license. Licensees have to meet the same standards it takes to get an alcohol license, except marijuana convictions won't bar you from getting a license. There can be an absolute cap on marijuana cultivation statewide, And again, a maximum of 75 manufacturers until October 2018, and a maximum of 75 cultivators until October 2019. Licensees must be 500 feet from schools. The existing medical marijuana industry gets priority in licensing until 2018. If they haven't come up with pot shops by 2018, the existing dispensaries get to serve all adults. Very similar to what we did here in Oregon. And as far as local control, the localities can regulate the time, place, and manner, but no more restrictively than how medical marijuana is regulated. The localities can limit the number of establishments, but any ban or any limit that's less than 20% of the liquor licenses or any limit that's less than the number of medical establishments has to be approved by voters. And localities can establish nuisance ordinances to restrict cultivation and to restrict signage. So looking at the big picture here of the marijuana legalization initiatives, out of the five proposed so far, it looks to me like the Massachusetts Crimla Initiative may be the best of the five. Now, on tomorrow's show, we're going to cover the main initiative That's language that comes from legalized Maine, but is being backed by the Marijuana Policy Project. And I believe it's got some pretty liberal language as well. We may be looking at a situation where by 2017, the Northeast and not the West Coast has the most liberal marijuana legalization in the United States. But whatever the legalization is, it beats prohibition. Make sure you get involved if... These are happening in any of your states. Get involved. With the California one, I'm not exactly sure who to send you to at this point. But with the uh, Massachusetts, Maine, Arizona, and Nevada, they all have websites available. It's usually regulate marijuana in and then the state name or just regulate the state name. But if you type in regulate marijuana like alcohol and the name of your state, it should take you to the campaign website. You'll be able to find that. Get involved. Volunteer your time. Tell everybody legalization always trumps prohibition. From beautiful legal potland, Oregon, and for all the people here at CannabisRadio.com, I'm Radical Russ. Thanks for joining us. And until next time, take care of each other, tokers.
1: This is the Russ Bellville Show. The Russ Belville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at radicalrust.com.
2: You take a seed, you plant it, you grow
4: it, you dry it, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a scene, you plant it, you grow it, you dry it, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you dry it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes
1: down school. Visit WorldWildlife.org.
2: We're locking up people that take a couple of puffs of marijuana, and and the the next thing you know, they got 10 years.
1: And now, here's your host, the guru of ganja graphics, the sultan of sativa statistics, and the worst nightmare of a reefer mad prohibitionist. A polite, perspicacious, productive pothead with a propensity for PowerPoint, radical Russ
3: Bellville. Welcome back, tokers and toquettes and non-toking lovers of liberty. It is Wednesday, December 16, 2015. And we got just this hour and two more shows left for 2015. What an amazing year it's been. I've been on the road 100 days this year, put in 60,000 air miles. Pretty amazing. That's because legalization is breaking out everywhere, and it is my goal to spread the gospel of marijuana legalization. I will go to all of the hills and dales, uh, from coast to coast. Uh, I will visit the people in the Midwest. Uh, I will visit the people in the South. Uh, hallelujah! I will visit the people in the Rocky Mountains, from sea to and Sea, from Purple Mountains. Majesty, I will bring you the truth about marijuana legalization. And, uh... Some of the truth about marijuana legalization today is just rocking my world. You know me, I'm a data geek, I'm a stats hound, I love data. And uh, the latest data from the Monitoring the Future study came out. That's the one that asks, for the past 40 years now, 8th, 10th, and 12th graders, their attitudes and use of drugs, alcohol, and marijuana. And, uh, well, the, it goes back to 75 for the 12th graders, and I think it was around 91. Well, maybe it was the 80s on some of those drugs. But as time went on, they started asking more and more questions. They added in the 8th and 10th graders. So it's an amazing data set, just amazing data set with all the information you could possibly want about marijuana and and drugs and the kids and how they're using them and so forth. So um, I was trying to pull up my stats here. Let me find my stat on the trips. Yes, um, 26 trips, 100 days, 60,000 miles to 32 cities in two countries. And over the past three years, it's been 85 trips, 334 days, 181,000 air miles, 182,000, let's say, and uh, 49 cities in two countries. So, yeah, lots of legalization happening. But this data from the Monitoring the Future survey is so remarkable. And I've been using this survey for a long time because one of my favorite pieces of data in this survey comes from all the way going back to 1975 is when it asks 12th graders. If you wanted to go out and get some marijuana, right, you know, not whether they use it or not, right. But if you just wanted to go out and get some marijuana, how easy would that be? And they give them, you know, choices, right? It's like easy, Fairly easy, not easy, impossible, whatever. I don't know exactly what the choices are, but the top two choices are easy and fairly easy. And so they've been asking 12th graders, high school seniors, we're talking kids that are 16, 17, 18 years old. If you wanted to get some weed, how easy would it be? And for the past 40 years, the answer from the kids has been between 81 and 92%. Throughout the entire war on drugs era, 1975, you know, 4 years after Nixon declared war on drugs or certain drugs, right? For that entire time, it had never been below, let me get the number here, 81%. Okay, so for for the past 40 years, 81% to 90% Of the kids, 12th graders, said it was easy or fairly easy to get a hold of marijuana. And this doesn't matter whether there's medical marijuana, when medical came in, when it, you know, when legalization happened, before medical, when Nancy Reagan was in the whole just say no thing. It didn't matter. Between 81 and 90 percent of high school seniors found it easy or fairly easy to get marijuana marijuana. Until today, today in the 2015 monitoring the future for the first time ever in 40 years of tracking this data, fewer than 80% of high school seniors find it easy or fairly easy to get a hold of marijuana. It's down to 79.5%. Now that's still up there. That's still saying four out of five teenagers can get a hold of weed. But for the first time ever, it's slightly just a tad fewer than four out of five. And this is a number that has been going down since 2000. It was 1998 when we hit the all-time high of 90.4%. Nine out of 10 high school seniors in 1998 said they could get a hold of some marijuana. And keep in mind, 1998. One year into the full, a full year into, two full years into California's medical marijuana and the passing of medical in a couple of states, two or three states. We were at 90.4%. Since then, that ease of access has gone down, 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 down. Almost every year, it's gone down. From 1998, it was 90.4%, 88% in 2000, 85% in 2005, 82% in 2010, and now in 2015, 79.5%. Marijuana legalization is working. It's making it harder for kids to get a hold of marijuana. We went from 9 out of 10 to 8 out of 10 in 15 years of legalization. We were able to get it out of the hands of one kid. Made it harder for one kid, one out of ten kids, to get a hold of it. And it's going to get harder and harder as more states legalize.
1: This is the Russ Bellville Show on CannabisRadio.com.
2: The
0: son of a Polish immigrant who grew up in a Brooklyn tenement. He went to public schools, then college where the work of his life began, fighting injustice and inequality, speaking truth to power. He moved to Vermont, won election and praise as one of America's best mayors. In Congress, he stood up for working families and for principle, opposing the Iraq War, supporting veterans. Now he's taking on Wall Street and a corrupt political system, funded by over a million contributions, tackling climate change to create clean energy jobs, fighting for living wages, equal pay, and tuition-free public colleges.
4: People are sick and tired of establishment politics, and they want real change.
0: Bernie Sanders, husband, father, grandfather, an honest leader, building a movement with you to give us a future
4: to believe in. I'm Bernie Sanders, and I approve this message. The
1: Russ Belleville Show, where the truth about marijuana gets more than a minute to speak.
3: Welcome back, everybody. Almost 13 after the hour. Digging deep into the Monitoring the Future 2015. So there was one thing I was worried about, though, as I got this data from Monitoring the Future about marijuana use, alcohol use, cigarette use, and drug use being at the lowest rates. Some of them are at the lowest rates ever recorded. Others are just down still. Even as we legalize, even as our opponents warned us, "Oh no, you legalize marijuana. The kids, the kids are going to think it's okay. The kids will think it's okay and they'll use more marijuana." Well, guess what? According to the latest monitoring the future, among high school seniors, the those that think there is a risk in using marijuana regularly is at its lowest levels ever. less than a third of high school seniors think regular marijuana smoking is harmful. And yet, fewer of them are smoking marijuana. That's right. As we look at the monthly numbers for high school seniors smoking marijuana, it's down to 21.3%. That's a number that's, well, it was 21.4% in 2010. It was 19.8% in 2005. It was 21.6% in 2000. It hasn't really changed much. So even as high school seniors, more and more of them think that marijuana use, even regular use, isn't risky, isn't leading more of them to use it. Even among the daily users of marijuana, among high school seniors, 6% are using marijuana daily. In 2010, it was 6.1. 2005, it was 5%. 2000, it was 6%. So there's a little dip there in the middle of the 2000s, but really, for the past 15 years, the average has been about 55 to 6%. So the kids aren't using marijuana anymore, even though they don't think of it as harmful. And... Fewer of them disapprove of it. Right now, among high school seniors for the 2015 numbers, 70.7% of them think the regular use of marijuana, they disapprove of that. You shouldn't smoke pot all the time. That's a 70% disapproval. That's way down. In 2010, it was 77% thought it was bad. In 2005, it was 82% that thought it was bad. So we have fewer and fewer high school seniors that think there's a risk in regular smoking. Fewer and fewer of them that disapprove of regular smoking. And yet, no more of them are really smoking. So I went through all that data and, and I started to have this little nagging fear because we've been doing this story on uh, Robert Kimdichi, right? I started to have this fear that, wait a minute, what if these kids are switching from regular marijuana to synthetic marijuana. That wouldn't be good, right? Maybe there's fewer of them smoking regular pot because they know that's going to be drug tested for. And then they switch to spice or K2 knowing that they won't get caught on a drug test. Well, guess what? I I don't even have to tell you, do I? (laughs) I don't even have to tell you. Spice use among the kids is down. Now, there's not a lot of data on this. Among the 12th graders, it only goes back to 2011. Among the 8th and 10th graders, it only goes back to 2012. So let's start with 2012. In 2012, 11.3% of high school seniors had tried tried synthetic marijuana that year. 11.3% had tried synthetic marijuana that year. What is it today? 2015, 5.2%. Less than half. It's gone down by more than half, I should say. The high school seniors using synthetic marijuana on an annual basis has declined by more than half. Tenth graders, it was 8.8% in 2011. Guess what it is now? 4.3%. A decline of more than half. Half. And then among the eighth graders, it was 4.4% in 2012. Today, down to 3.1%, a decline of a quarter. So, no, the kids aren't switching over to the synthetic pot either. Fewer kids are using drugs. Fewer kids are smoking pot. Fewer kids are drinking alcohol. Fewer kids are smoking cigarettes. Even though we've legalized medical marijuana in 23 states and D.C., even though we've passed CBD laws in 15 or 16 states, I've lost count. Even though we've got four states and D.C. that have legalized and another four, five states on tap. The kids are using Drugs less. Even as they are starting to recognize the truth about them, the truth about marijuana, that it's not as harmful as they've been told and that regular use isn't necessarily dysfunctional. Even as they learn that truth, fewer of them are using drugs. It just goes to show you that everything predicted by our opponents that would happen if we legalized marijuana has failed to materialize. It's just Not happening. And, you know, I almost feel for him. I almost feel bad for him that uh, everything they say so far has been proven wrong. (laughs) It's just it's kind of it's kind of sad for the opponents. I I said the other day that being a pot prohibitionist these days has to feel a lot like being the manager of a blockbuster video. Oh, remember the good old days? (laughs) Yeah. But uh, it couldn't have happened to a better set of people, the people that oppose marijuana prohibition. And uh, coming up for the rest of the show, uh, let me get a list of uh, what we're doing here. I got some other topics. We'll also take your calls if you want to call in and talk about or ask some questions. The phone number is 971-533-7111. We got an update on the Freddie Gray case out of Baltimore. The uh, young man who was uh, killed by cops when they put him in the back of a van and Gave him a, a shake around ride where he broke his back. I think it was. We'll talk about that. We've also got a look at Star Wars coming up. The first pre or the first showings are tomorrow. Everybody's excited as hell about that. And also we've got uh, some breaking news uh, regarding the U.S. Supreme Court and the challenge to Colorado legalization. <laughs>
2: Where'd you learn that, Cheech? Drug school.
3: But right now, it's 420 out here on the West Coast. The West Coast is the best coast. And we've got to get to a very important union-mandated safety briefing. Y'all should be safe out there as well, and if you can get together for your safety meeting, this would be the time to do it. We've got the strong silicone bong. We'll be back right after this. Imagine life without taxes. Let New Era Certified Public Accountants, NewEraCPAs.com, handle your cannabis business e ADE and tax strategy. Get your business prepared with New Era CPAs Cannabis Finance Boot Camp. NewEraCPAs.com, with years of experience in the industry, we are one of the nation's leading accounting firms for growers, dispensaries, and ancillary companies from Washington to California. NewEraCPAs.com.
1: You're listening to Radical Russ on the Russ Belleville Show.
3: Hey,
4: this is Willie Nelson for Normal. And I smoke pot and I like it a lot. I learned a long time ago that marijuana is a lot safer than alcohol. There's nothing wrong with the responsible use of marijuana by adults. It's time we stopped arresting and started respecting those who smoke marijuana responsibly. To learn what you can do to help, contact Normal at morml.org or call toll free 888-67-NORMAL.
1: Marijuana is not addictive, but listening to the Russ Belleville Show is...
4: More flavor.
3: welcome back everyone 23 and a half after the hour here at Rolla J Studios in beautiful legal Potland Oregon Just checking out the Huffington Post I saw this really cool thing Airlines talking about creating a new seat a new pair of seats on some airplanes called the sky deck which would basically be a teardrop shaped bubble sticking out of the top of the uh, airplane. jet and then you could you you sit in that and you got 360 degree view of uh of the clouds and and the scenery. I I think that's pretty cool. Uh I don't know uh know how much that seat would cost but it sounds pretty damn cool. (laughs) We got some breaking news for you. Uh, this just in from the Marijuana Policy Project. The federal government urges the Supreme Court to not hear Nebraska and Oklahoma's lawsuit challenging Colorado's marijuana regulations. And uh, I'll just read you the press release. In a brief filed Wednesday by the Solicitor General, the U.S. government urged the Supreme Court to dismiss the lawsuit filed by Nebraska and Oklahoma challenging Colorado's marijuana regulations. Nebraska and Oklahoma filed the lawsuit directly with the Supreme Court in December of 2014, arguing that the state's decision to regulate the cultivation and distribution of marijuana was, quote, placing stress on their criminal justice systems, end quote. In May, the court asked Solicitor General Donald Verrilli Jr. for his opinion on the lawsuit. According to the brief filed by Verrilli on Wednesday, quote, the motion for leave to file a bill of complaint should be denied because this is not an appropriate case for the exercise of this court's original jurisdiction. Entertaining the type of dispute at issue here, essentially that one state's laws make it more likely that third parties will violate federal and state law in another state would represent a substantial and unwarranted expansion of this court's original jurisdiction. End quote. So, Let's kind of unpack that. What are they talking about here? Well, if you remember from your civics, uh, the Supreme Court has original jurisdiction. And What original jurisdiction uh, means is that the this is uh, only a area where the Supreme Court can rule. Right now, normally the Supreme Court is the highest appellate court, which just means that. First you got to take it to your local court, then you got to take it to a court of appeals, then you got to take it to a, you know, circuit courts, blah blah blah, and eventually you end up at the Supreme Court. But when we're talking about original jurisdiction, then the US jurisdiction, the US Supreme Court's jurisdiction is part of Article 3 are usually suits between states or territorial or water rights, right? Like, so if Colorado wants to sue California over water, then those kind of cases would go straight to the U.S. Supreme Court. But according to this Solicitor General, what he's saying here basically is that this isn't something that Article 3, Section 2 of the Constitution covers. This isn't a lawsuit between states. This isn't, an interstate resource that they're suing over they're suing because the way Colorado wants to regulate something makes it harder for Oklahoma or Nebraska to regulate something. Well, that, that according to solicit general, that what he's arguing here is that that would be too expansive to get involved in something. Some dispute like that would open up, a whole bunch of areas of dispute where states could start suing each other over gun laws, over abortion restrictions, over all sorts of things. So we'll see if this uh, strategy uh, works because if the Supreme Court just refuses to hear the case, then the Cole memo and the acts being taken or allowed to happen uh, by the Obama administration at this point would be allowed to continue to happen. If the Supreme Court agrees to hear this case, it could throw a monkey wrench into the entire scheme of legalization all across the nation. So this is very important, and getting it dismissed at this level could be the best option we've got. Because if this case were to be heard by the Supreme Court, there's no guarantee how this would turn out. There's a lot of folks on the Supreme Court who might not be so sanguine on the idea of violating the Controlled Substances Act and usurping the authority Uh, that the federal government should have over, at least in their previous declarations. I mean, previous decisions. You gotta look at things like the, uh, the Rach decision, right? With uh, medical marijuana, the uh, cannabis buyers club decision. There's a lot of federal, you know, Supreme Court decisions that recognize that the federal government still has the right to dictate to the states what is allowed as far as marijuana legalization. If this case goes to the Supreme Court, they have to give, you know, deference to those precedents that were set in those previous cases. And I don't know that it would turn out good for us. So let's just hope this thing gets rejected. (laughs) That would probably be the best, uh, best option that we could hope for. All right. Also in breaking news, um, and we're a little off the warpath on this one, but it's somewhat related and it has to do with the case of Freddie Gray. As you may know, Freddie Gray was the young man in Baltimore, African-American man, who was arrested. And then the cops, to punish him, took him on a rough ride, which is basically where they, they get you all handcuffed. They put you in the back of the police van, and then they take a wild ride around the city, going around corners fast and taking big bumps and starting and stopping real quick. So you slam around the inside of that van and get injured. Turned out Freddie Gray broke his back. And um, Freddie Gray died. Oh, I'm sorry, he didn't break his back, broke his neck. Yes, broke his neck while in police custody. Well, today, a judge has declared a mistrial in the case of Baltimore police officer William Porter because jurors say they are deadlocked. The jury can't come to unanimous decision. Porter was one of the six officers charged with the death of Freddie Gray. And this is a major setback because this officer, Porter, was the one that they had the most on. And then they were going to use this conviction of Porter to go forward with the trial for the other five officers that were involved in a little lesser degree. So the judge told the prosecution of defense to appear to set a new trial date. And um, it just, it makes you wonder what's going on. And and, And part of this, I think, has to do with how the instructions get read to the jury that tell them how they have to decide the law. And it's frustrating as hell, isn't it? This is, I mean... Everything we know about this case is clearly a case. I mean, they've got the the cell phone video where they're dragging him into the van. Everything about this case points to willful neglect and, and willful abuse of a prisoner in custody, a helpless prisoner in custody. And we get a deadlocked jury how many more times is this going to happen? How many more times are homicidal cops going to walk in this country before people start taking as one GOP candidate once said second amendment remedies to these problems? I don't want to see this, but how long is it going to be? How long is it going to be before we start hearing of cops getting openly shot at And then that, of course, will just invite a stronger response, more lockdown, more militarization. When they chant, no justice, no peace, this is the kind of stuff they're talking about. Now, I don't know what is going on with this jury. I can't possibly know. Let's hope they get another trial put together. And we start to see some justice for these people. We start to see some justice for the people who are abused who are killed by police who we get them on video killing us and still can't put them away, still can't punish them. You know, they say there's only they, they always like to to dismiss this as it's only a few bad apples. It's a renegade cop, it's a rogue cop, it's it's whatever. No, it's a system. It's a system that keeps the good cops from turning in guys like this because those good cops end up getting killed themselves. The whole barrel is rotten, not just a few bad apples here. And this can only go on for so long before it leads to riots, before it leads to chaos. If the people can't trust that the justice system works for us, that the police work for us, it's only a matter of time before we start to see even more chaos and revolt and riot and anger and frustration. I know in my heart that ending the war on drugs will have a lot to do with fixing some of this. I would argue you can't start to fix any of this until you get rid of the war on drugs. It's the war on drugs that has led the police, has incentivized the police to go after our own citizens and to think of them as the enemy, the other, something that needs to be controlled and patrolled and inspected and arrested and searched and seized. It can't not happen, given the incentives that we've set up in this system. It's got to start with some of these cops doing the perp walk and doing some real time. Similarly, on the white collar side of things, it needs to happen with some of these wall street crooks doing the perp walk and doing some hard time. And unfortunately this type of attitude, this type of letting him skate comes down from the top. It started when president Obama refused to hold anyone from the Bush administration responsible for the crimes they had committed Torture. It's no surprise that the country that countenances torture allows Freddie Gray to die at the hands of police in the back of a van. It's no surprise. You reap what you shall sow. You shall reap what you sow, however that goes. And we're starting to reap it. And ironically for supposedly a Christian nation. There's got to be some major changes. And one of those major changes is we need to fix our justice system. We need to see that those who commit crimes, no matter how powerful, no matter how connected, no matter how rich that those people do time, that they are punished because without that, we're just going to descend into chaos. We're just going to descend into lawlessness. And I fear for my country. I fear for those Considerations. I can see how quickly the rise of Donald Trump itself ought to be the canary in the coal mine for a lot of us here. Seeing that there's that that many people so fearful and angry and full of hate and paranoia. They say smoking weed makes you paranoid. No, no. I think smoking weeds about the only way you can deal with this country anymore. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll have our final segment of the day. And make sure you stay tuned for later, top of the hour, Stoner Jesus will be joining us, blessing us with smoky goodness. You're listening to CannabisRadio.com. I'm Radical Russ. Everywhere. See you in a sec.
1: The Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com.
3: Fingerboard Extension has fretted instruments to enhance your creativity. It has new and used guitars and banjos from beginning to high class. The Fingerboard Extension has National Resophonic, Hudson, Dalton, Larrabee, Heritage and Recording King Guitars, and Mike Ramsey, Wildwood, Gold Tone and Recording King Banjos. The Fingerboard Extension also has drum stuff, used gear and parts. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension downtown Corvallis, Oregon at 120 Northwest 2nd or check out the inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com and reverb.com.
1: You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com, where we don't change our mind on decriminalization during an election year.
3: You know Herb Thrasher from the Herb Thrasher Flower Hour. Now get ready for Herb Age Designs for the proud cannabis consumer. Herb Age Designs, lifestyle gear for the 420 friendly. Herb Age Designs, we've got Frisbee golf discs and durable hemp gear. Herb Age Designs, we've got shot glasses, drinking glasses, coffee mugs, and beer cozies. Check us out on Facebook and online at herbagedesigns.com and follow Herbage and Herb Thrasher on Twitter.
4: If you're an adult who enjoys a good beer, there's a similar product you might want to know about. One without all the
1: calories and serious health problems. Less toxic so it doesn't cause hangovers or overdose deaths and it's not linked to violence or reckless behavior. Marijuana. Less harmful than alcohol. And time to treat it that way.
4: For more information, visit MarijuanaIsSafe.org.
1: The Russ Belleville Show. We're as much like Cheech and Chong as ordinary Americans are like the Three Stooges.
2: (coughs) Hey, Mo!
5: (coughs) Gondrepreneur.com, your guide to the cannabis business world.
3: Oh, that's interesting. Welcome back, everyone. That's the news music, but uh, it's not the news. Sometimes that kind of stuff happens here. Get all that worked out. Big thanks to uh, Christopher Ingraham at the uh, Washington Post Wonk blog. His piece on the Monitoring the Future study is out. It's entitled, The Case for Marijuana Legalization Just Got Stronger. And uh, he makes all the points that I've been uh, making. Uh, He's got a quote here from the National Institute of Drug Abuse director, Dr. Nora Volkoff, who says, quote, we are heartened to see that most illicit drug use is not increasing, non-medical use of prescription opioids is decreasing, and there is improvement in alcohol and cigarette use rates, end quote. Uh, It's great when you get to hear the prohibitionists have to say things like that. And it's always interesting to me how the elephant in the room, they'll never say, is that marijuana was legalized right uh, you got anytime they see something bad happen right like if they if they get uh, oh more people have marijuana in their systems in fatality crash rates right you know we see more oh my God see we legalized marijuana something terrible happened right they're always really quick to add that whole causal effect when it uh, comes to something bad happening but when something good happens like this, the fewest kids ever are smoking cigarettes. The fewest kids ever are drinking alcohol. The fewest kids ever are using synthetic marijuana. And the use of marijuana by kids is lower or the same after all these states have legalized. No mention. Don't hear much from him on that. No causality whatsoever, right? <laughs> you got guys like Andy Harris. He's the representative from Maryland. He's the one who's who basically is keeping Washington, D.C. from being able to move forward with pot shops, right? At a speech to Heritage Foundation, Christopher Ingram writes, uh, he said, relaxing marijuana laws clearly leads to more teenage drug use. It should be intuitively obvious to everyone that if you legalize marijuana for adults, more children will use marijuana because the message that it's dangerous will be blunted. (laughs) Pardon the pun. And this data shows completely the opposite. Kids did get the message that it's that the message that it's dangerous will be blunted. Right. See, here's the thing. When you're asking kids about how dangerous they think marijuana is and you see those numbers have gone down, you have to understand that the kids back in the day, back when I was in high school, were told that smoking even one marijuana cigarette would cause the same level of brain damage, brain damage as being exposed to a nuclear explosion. Seriously, Ronald Reagan said that when I was in uh, high school, that the damage from one marijuana cigarette would be equal to being on Bikini Island during an A-bomb blast. Nuclear radiation, marijuana cigarette, about the same. We were the generation that had to see the fried egg. You know, this is your brain. This is drugs. This is your brain on drugs. Any questions? Yeah. Can I get some hash with that? (laughs) Um, We had to grow up with that. So if you go from telling the kids that marijuana is this deadly dangerous drug that'll ruin your brain and lead straight to heroin use. And then you measure that against a generation of kids who today, a a college freshman has lived his entire life or her entire life, understanding there's such a thing as medical marijuana. Well, of course they think it's less harmful now. Of course their perception of risk has declined because it's coming down From the ludicrous scare level it has been to a realistic, scientifically factual level that it is getting to today. Of course they think it's less harmful, but that doesn't mean that they think it's something good to do. We've been saying for the past, oh, six years now, marijuana is safer than alcohol. Marijuana is safer than alcohol. And yet, fewer kids are using both marijuana and alcohol. Now, more adults are smoking pot. More adults are smoking pot. But if we're legalizing that, shouldn't they be? Or at least shouldn't they be admitting it now? These are some of the best data and what a great Christmas present for us in the marijuana movement. Check out Christopher Ingraham's post in the Washington Post. It's at the Wonk blog. You should be able to find that. And you can follow him at underscore C Ingraham. That's at underscore C I N G R A H A M. One of the best writers out there on uh, these issues for the drug war. And he's in the mainstream media, so he gives us a lot of cred. Great work, Chris. Also uh, in the news, of course, Star Wars. Starts tomorrow. There's some midnight showings uh, across the street from me at the uh, local neighborhood theater. There's a seven o'clock showing tomorrow. Unfortunately I will be, well, not unfortunately, I'm glad to be there. I will be at the marijuana business association, December meetup here in Portland. So we'll be doing a live show from that December meetup and I'll be hosting there or not hosting, but uh, streaming from there. We'll talk to all sorts of folks, get some interviews, so uh, it'll be an extended show tomorrow. We'll have our regular two-hour show, plus we'll have about an hour or so from the MJBA meetup. Then uh, I've got my Portland Normal board meeting to get to. And that's after having to do a teeth-cleaning appointment at like 7 in the morning tomorrow. So it's going to be a long day. But anyway, Star Wars comes out tomorrow. Lots of folks excited about it. Um... You know, I'm excited about it and hoping it just doesn't suck. I think there's a lot of us out there that just hope it doesn't suck. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, when that first sequel trilogy came out, you know, parts one through three, eh, it kind of sucked. You know, Jar Jar Binks and all that eh, it really sucked. And I'm just I'm a huge nerd, although I'm much more of a Star Trek guy than a Star Wars guy. But looking forward to this and let's just hope that it doesn't suck. Also, keep in mind, uh, we've got. Stoner Jesus coming up at the top of the hour, and uh, I have got the marijuana legalization initiatives all hyperlinked and uh, reformatted to make them much easier to read. I've also attached my little sticky notes, electronic sticky notes on all of these initiatives, and you can find them all now at rad-r.us, rad-r.us. hyphen slash MJ 2015. That'll take you out to Scribd. That's MJ 2015. It'll take you out to Scribd, and there'll be four copies out there. The fifth one, I'll get main up later tomorrow. And uh, those are PDFs. That's my Christmas present to you. These fully marked up Acrobat PDF files of the Marijuana Legalization Initiative. So check those out, and you can get all the details you could possibly want on marijuana legalization in 2015 or 2016, I should say 2016. Also keep in mind that Ohio might make the ballot for 2016. Ian James swore he would come back and put together another uh, initiative for 2016. And uh, there's an outside shot that Vermont and Rhode Island may legalize marijuana through their legislatures. Other legislators are introducing bills. We heard of one from Kentucky. Kentucky. And looking at that Kentucky bill looks really nice, but I don't know that there's really good chance the Kentucky legislature is going to move forward. We've also got the possibility of medical marijuana starting again in Florida for 2016 and the folks in Missouri, uh, show me cannabis. They're working on a medical marijuana initiative that could get some traction. We'll keep you posted on all that, but I know for, if I'm a betting man, I say there's five States that make the ballot. For 2016, California, Arizona, Nevada, Maine, and Massachusetts. That's for sure. Oh, uh, let's not forget Michigan. Michigan's got some groups out there that are fighting to make the ballot. They're an outside shot. They make it as well. So come 2016, we could have the greatest marijuana legalization night ever. And we'll be covering it here for you on CannabisRadio.com. We'll have our marijuana election night coverage live from one of those states that's legalizing. I'm not sure where I'll be. We're trying to put together a Legalize America tour, so um, I'll keep you posted on that, too. I might be just hitting the road, and we'll, uh, we'll see you wherever we, uh, wherever we go. Also, uh, quick breakdown here, too, that uh, don't want to forget about this. Uh, when it comes to the uh, marijuana news, uh, we've uh, got a vote here. We've got a few votes coming out, uh, local votes that you should know about. Palm Beach County in Florida voted for decriminalization so that their officers can write a hundred dollar ticket rather than taking you into jail. There is uh, Franklin County uh, in Washington has voted two to one to ban marijuana businesses. They've had uh, six month moratoriums for years, but now they're finally banning marijuana businesses in Franklin County, Washington. We've got... uh, Mount Angel uh will be voting on that. That's uh Mount Angel in Colorado. There we go. Voting on whether or not to allow marijuana businesses. And uh also where's the other state here? There was another one. Oh yes, unincorporated Pierce County uh will be voting on whether or not to ban. That's in Washington State as well. This is something we're going to have to deal with. Um, And it's frustrating to a lot of people that as we move forward with marijuana legalization, these initiatives come forward with strong local control where localities can decide to ban marijuana businesses. And we have to understand that localities have this power for alcohol, too, in almost every circumstance. So we kind of put ourselves in that frame when we kept saying, you know, treat marijuana like alcohol, regulate marijuana like alcohol. Marijuana is safer than alcohol. So we keep putting ourselves in an alcohol frame. So if a city or town or a county has the power to regulate or even ban alcohol, should it not also have that power to regulate or ban marijuana on a commercial level? Not talking about being able to have it in your home or smoke it. But on a commercial level, whether they can ban pot shops or commercial grows or commercial processors or whatever, we're going to have to accept that localities are going to want that local control because they have that same power over alcohol. And this is part of that art of compromise. This is some marijuana supporters just don't understand that politics is the art of the possible. And in a lot of cases, you have to make compromises and they might not always be compromises you like. I don't like the idea that over 50% of the land mass in my home state has banned pot shops. I go East of the Dalles. There's no place for me to buy weed. And that sucks. It sucks that a person in Ontario, Oregon is closer to legal weed in Washington state than they are in their own state. But we're going to have to accept it. These local options are something that we're just not going to get past. Now, Part of why I think this freaks people out is because they're not aware that this local option exists for alcohol because so few places use it. So few places have these local bans on alcohol. And part of the reason is because it's just not economical. People like to drink and you lose restaurant business, you lose, you know, shopping business and so forth if your city or county bans alcohol. That's what's going to happen with marijuana, folks. Once we get this legalized, and once the more liberal cities are raking in money hand over fist, and once these smaller places, these towns and cities start to recognize that, hey, we're losing residents, we're losing workers, we're losing tax revenue because people want to live where pot's legal, that's going to eventually have the effect of removing these bans. They're going to want a slice of the pie. And that's why when these uh, these initiatives come up that have local taxes attached, you know, a locality can add a tax. I'm not against that. I mean, I'm against it being too much. But like here in Oregon, our localities are going to be able to add up to a 3% tax. In Massachusetts, their localities are going to be able to add up to a 2% tax that becomes the honey. That's the honey to lure in these localities, these cash-strapped little towns to start thinking, well, wait a minute, man. Maybe if we uh, allowed some pot shops, we'd get some tax revenue. We'd make some money. We'd bring in some tourists, get some shopping. Maybe that's a good idea. Politics is the art of the possible people, and we are making it possible to legalize marijuana, but only if we recognize that compromises have to be made, and don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. It's good that we're legalizing. Legalization always trumps prohibition. We gotta call it a day. Thanks for joining us. Stoner Jesus is up at the top of the hour, so stay tuned here on cannabisradio.com. For everyone here at Rolla J Studios in beautiful legal potland, Oregon, I'm Radical Russ. And until next time, take care of each other, tokers.
1: This is the Russ Bellville Show. Yeah, it, the Russ Bellville Show yeah, is blogging yeah, and podcasting daily at radicalrust.com. Yeah, you take a seed, you
6: plant it, you grow
1: it, you try it,
4: you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down to Hey.
3: arguing for the end of adult marijuana prohibition is easy because we have facts, science, reason, compassion, evidence, truth, and logic on our side. It is even easier when researchers catalog it all for us. Learn how to gather the facts on marijuana use, arrests, seizures, rehabs, drug tests, and more in this edition of Drug War Data Mining. Today in the Drug War Data Mines, we're taking a look at some information unearthed by the Wall Street Journal, taking a look at the FBI's records on arrests and incarceration in this country. And over the past 20 years, authorities have made a shocking quarter billion arrests over the past two decades. Quarter billion. And of those quarter billion arrests, it has led to the FBI having. 77.7 million individuals in its master criminal database. 77.7 million individuals in its master criminal database. That's about 30% of adult individuals. About one out of three American adults are listed in a criminal database. And that database grows by 10 to 12,000 names each day. And this is absolutely legal. This doesn't speak to how uh, Rand Paul called out Chris Christie last night in the Republican debate about massive surveillance of Americans. That's on top of the fact that just through the use of our criminal justice system, one out of three American adults, almost, is in the federal records. Of criminals. Now, spending on law enforcement by states and local governments hit $212 billion in 2011. That's including judicial, police, and corrections costs. That's estimates from the U.S. Census. Adjust those figures for inflation, and they're up from $128 billion in 1992. And what a lot of people aren't understanding in these figures is it's not just people Who are arrested and then convicted, who then have criminal records that are easily accessible for any employer or potential landlord. But we're also talking about people who are were just arrested, arrested and then never convicted people who are innocent until proven guilty. And their records can be found. And the mere fact of them having an arrest record can be found and used to discriminate against them in employment, housing, education and so forth. This has such an effect on citizens. There is a survey, National Survey of Youth, checking up till age 25. This is the University of South Carolina. uh, Almost 9,000 people born in 1980 to 1984. By age 25, 21% of those who had never been arrested owned a home. But that number was 15% if you were arrested and 10% if you were convicted. As far as the home, median income, 25,000 if you were never arrested, but if you were arrested and again, arrested but not convicted, still innocent, just arrested, 23,000. If you've been convicted, median income's 20,000. People that had never been arrested, only 13% were below the poverty line at age 25. If they'd been arrested, 21%, one out of five below the poverty line. If they'd been convicted, one out of four, 26%. So these arrests, even without convictions, have detrimental effects on people's lives. We've seen the number of police officers swell by more than 100,000 from 531,000 in 1991 to 646,000. As of 2011, the most recent year of
5: data. And
3: as we look at that data, of course, it's even worse.
6: If it-